Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Andrew Kahn for MLive. I'm on the uh, Michigan Stadium field uh, immediately after Michigan's season opening 30-3 win over East Carolina. The band is on the field. Dominant Michigan effort without Jim Arbaugh. I mean, what was the difference? It was a shutout, really right with zero seconds left on the clock, but that's when a field goal from East Carolina uh, passed through the uprights as time expired to, to get to get them on the board, but uh, J.J. McCarthy nearly flawless, uh, the defense dominant, um, and even without some key players, including cornerback uh, Will Johnson um, out with injury, didn't matter for Michigan today. They roll to victory in the season opener, and I'll be back here for week two against UNLV. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team opened the 2023 season with a comfortable win over East Carolina, despite Jim Harbaugh's absence. What went right and what could have gone better for the Wolverines? We discuss coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, going to be talking with you here Tuesday morning, September 5th. You know, and as you, you heard from my immediate post-game reaction, it was, it was a dominant game for Michigan, I thought. I'll get your thoughts here. It was not, if we're comparing it, if the standard is last year's non-conference games, then sure, by the final margin, it was it was maybe not as impressive. But, uh, I don't know, give me your biggest takeaway or two uh, from this game. Start with you, Aaron. Well, I thought the game bordered on best case scenario. You know, when you consider everything that was going on outside with Jim not there and Michigan not having Sherman Moore, their offensive coordinator, uh, stuff could have gone wrong early on, and it really didn't. So I, I think they they cruised to victory, as I wrote. They, it was a fairly easy game. Um, I was real impressed with the passing game. It was something that I thought maybe we, we thought we might see. Um, I don't know if we expected that much of it. But uh, from what we saw, they, they, they played pretty well. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I, I'm going to focus on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we, we got the – for the first time, we got a, a pregame availability report from Michigan, which is a new mandate in the Big Ten this year. It was like, all right, Michigan's for sure going to be without some of their uh, reserve guys and then a couple of key guys in their secondary. Will Johnson and Rod Moore were both listed as questionable, and neither of them played. So you're like, all right, they're already thin that corner – um, safety, they, they have Keon Sab stepping in there in a the starting role. Uh, what, how, how is that going to impact the defense? And I thought the defense overall played really well. I thought the, the cornerbacks and defensive backs played well. They didn't allow any plays over 20 yards 
all year, and they were pitching a shutout until the last play of the game, and that was when most of the reserves were in. So, I mean, to hold the team under 250 yards um, despite missing two of your – I mean, probably your two best defensive backs, um, got to like the way you're seeing there if you're if you're Jesse Minter. Yeah, I mean, had uh, had in one interception, and I guess, you know, certainly could have had a, a second. There were some interesting – uh calls and replay reviews in in this game uh but yeah michigan comes out with a a 30 to 3 win let's talk about jj mccarthy because he was uh 26 of 30 for 280 yards and three touchdowns no interceptions that's that completion percentage uh jim harbaugh said it's the highest in in program history for a quarterback who had at least 30 passes uh it's it's second all time kind of regardless uh you know there was there was a higher one from i think it was said Elvis Gerback or, or someone who only threw 22 passes or something. But uh, so, yeah, that that makes sense that 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 would be the highest that, you know, once you got to 30. Um, and, you know, there were a couple kind of drops or miscommunication. They weren't necessarily like just a bad throw. So he was nearly uh, flawless. Um, and, yeah, it looks like he's taking his game to a whole other level. Um, yeah. What did you guys see from McCarthy? He looked good. I mean, you compare his, you know, his starts in the non-conference last year to this year, he looks like just a better player. Like he's taken a few steps forward. He looks more comfortable. And, and he said after the game too, like last year at this time, he was still dealing with arm injury. He was still like trying to figure out the offense and get comfortable there. And you, it's clear that he's comfortable. Um, now, again, contextually here, East Carolina didn't return a ton of starters in the secondary. They weren't very good in that area. So there was a lot of things to take advantage of. And look, they did. I mean, they, they did what was asked of them. McCarthy looked incredible, I thought. You know, he completed, I think, 15 of his first 16 catches or, or passes. Several of those incompletes were either drop balls or, in one case, the receiver didn't turn around. So it, it really, I mean, it what he, he easily could have gone like 28 or 30. So, like, it was a good game. It was about what you expected. There were no real mistakes, at least throwing the ball. Yes, there was that handoff exchange of Blake Corham in, in the – on the goal line there, but he played, he played good. He played about as well as you would expect. Um, I'm really curious to see where they go with this, especially with the passing attack, but it was, it was what you wanted out of a, out of a week one performance. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he was fantastic too. I mean, there was a couple throws even that were completed that maybe were a little bit off target, but it was more just the, his poise in, in the pocket and being able to throw on the run too. Like that one touchdown to Roman Wilson, he was rolling out to his right through back across his body to a wide open Roman Wilson. And, that's good to see from from Roman too. I mean, storing three touchdowns and and me, and being the number one target at least for game one. But I mean, we talked on our last podcast who might lead the team in receiving this year, and the three guys we all considered Roman Wilson, Colson Loveland, and Cornelius Johnson were were the three leading receivers, and, and all made some key catches and um, appear to be a an important part of this offense this year too. So. Uh, yeah, running game, a different story, but for the past game, I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for anything better if you're Kirk Campbell or Jim Harbaugh or, or anyone on uh, or any receivers. So you had the, the kind of goal line failure that Aaron mentioned. Uh, there was a missed extra point and a missed field goal. And then there were, you know, there was 3.9 yards per carry on 31 attempts with, you know, Blake Corum getting kind of uh, bottled up in the backfield before he could even get going at times. I don't know. I was talking about this with Ryan as we were leaving availability yesterday. Sometimes I think Michigan fans, they're not happy unless they're unhappy. And, you know, then you just start kind of nitpicking and critiquing what, you know, okay, what, what went wrong in this game? In the end, it was a 30 to three victory, but I don't know. Were there some concerns, you know, about maybe the run game or anything else from Saturday? 
Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, you got to remember, and the coaches were obviously aware of this going in, but East Carolina was intentionally trying to stop the run. I mean, they were loading the box. They're putting a lot of guys there. So it, it's not like they were they're in even matchups, like a one-on-one matchup there with, with their linemen. Um, at, you know, I went back and watched the game, and I was really caught off guard looking at when I was watching the offensive line, how many times they went with like in sixth tackle or a six lineman and they put they were rolling with two tight ends now some of those were, were passing situations but they also did it running the football too so um you know they east carolina was proactively trying to stop the run they did have a decently sized defensive line i mean it wasn't it wasn't great but like it was it was it was good enough um and but look yes there is some concern with with blake quorum and his speed you know he looked maybe a little touch a touch slow compared to how we saw him end last year uh, maybe that's just anecdotally. Maybe that's my outlying eyes. I don't know. But he did look a tad slower. So um, we'll see where things go. I, I know they're not going to face an opponent. You know, teams aren't going to do that week in, week out. So we'll have a better idea of maybe where the run game stands after week three. Um, but, I mean, they seem satisfied. They average almost four yards per carry. That's not what they were doing last year. But that's good enough to to, to, to withstand things. And, and, look, I think Michigan throwing the ball more and showing they could do it with so many weapons, I think it's going to help open things up to you know, when defenses watch them on tape. Because you got to remember, the last couple of years, teams have been watching them on tape, knowing they're going to run the football, and Michigan was still able to do it. Now they have to throw the passing game, and I think that's going to help too. And, yeah, a, a new revelation we found out from, from fall camp was that Blake Horn wasn't tackled at all through fall camp. So this was really his first action since last season against Ohio State where he was – it was full contact, full go, and – I mean, coming off an injury, you're during, probably going to be a little bit of hesitant and, and be a step slower. So, yeah, I mean, it's seeing his straight line speed and seeing that guy catch up to him when it seemed like last year he would have t- taken that to the house um, might be a little bit concerning at this point. But let's uh, p- uh, pump the brakes a little bit and, and see uh, maybe by week four, week five, if, if he's slowing down instead of speeding up, maybe it becomes an issue. But, I mean, for me, yeah, mi- missions running backs didn't have much – room and they were being hit at the line of scrimmage a lot but like for donovan edwards it didn't seem like he had met much burst at all or even just his ability to like break tackles like he would be met at the line of scrimmage and then kind of just go down and for a guy that's got decent size it's like all right maybe he can like, kind of power through like the old hassan haskins way and, and pick up the extra yard or two well after contact and i just didn't really see that from him um i liked i liked him in the slot that was a, a nice little wrinkle that we saw too um, but running the ball, it was uh, a little bit disappointing, but it's just one game. And I'm sure maybe uh, with, with UNLV watching some tape and watching how effective Michigan's play action was, they might uh, have to adjust their game plan a little bit and, and could open up a few more running lanes on Saturday. Michigan, as we said, was without Jim Harbaugh. Uh, didn't seem to make really any any difference. We got to talk to him uh on Monday morning, um, you know, and, and get his thoughts on the game. Normally, of course, we'd hear that immediately after, but he, he wasn't there. Uh, and we found out he did, in fact, uh, you know, he watched the game with uh, Michigan's other assistant that was suspended, Sharon Moore. Um, and it sounds like he talked about it a little more on his on his radio show. We had we had suspected he might um, struggle to figure out Peacock and he might have to go to the younger uh, Sharon Moore's house to figure it out. And did he kind of, did he kind of admit that on the radio? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of what happened. It sounds like uh, Jim said he didn't have Peacock. He didn't know how to do it, so like it makes sense. Um, I don't know if that precipitated the the inquiry or whatever the case may be, but yes, he ended up at Sharon Moore's house <laughs> watching the game with uh, Sharon and his kids and his wife. I think Jim brought one of his sons along as well, so it was kind of a family affair a little bit there. Sounds like his wife and a couple of his other kids actually went to the stadium to watch the game live. So. Uh, Jim had to find something to do and somewhere to go to watch it. So I, I can't imagine him going to a bar or something. That would have been wild to uh, to, to see. But nonetheless, he did see the game. Uh, he watched it. He sounded like he li- they listened to the Peacock broadcast. Uh, they liked what they saw. I mean, Jim made several references where him and Sharon were, I guess, openly calling for the next play. And Kurt Campbell, you know, executed it just as they had hoped for. So he, he said he was he was very happy with the play calling. He was happy with the performance. Uh, I think maybe perhaps most importantly, they came out of the game relatively healthy as well. So um, it is a win. Jim obviously wasn't there. I'm sure it, it burns him not being on the sidelines. You kind of seeing you know see the fruits of his labor, so to speak, during the week. But um, they got the job done, and really that, that that's all that mattered. Man, I was really hoping you would open up a little bit more about what uh, what he did. And, and I, yeah, we know he ate sandwiches, but, like, what were on the sandwiches? Is he a condiment guy? We know Andrew Kahn is not a condiment guy, but, I mean, maybe Jim Har- Harbaugh is. Mustard, mayo, special sauce. I mean, who knows? And, and what, were, what were they drinking? Did they track open a beer, uh, a little cocktail, just water? I mean, come on now, Jim. Give us a little bit more. I want to know what your uh, what your choices are but he he didn't really divulge too much of that information he now he did say they did flip channels i guess <laughs> at one point they did flip over to the colorado game because he was very complimentary of the job Deion sanders and and shadur sanders and travis hunter did he, he he saw i guess he saw Deion's halftime interview on fox so they were they were clearly channel surfing as well when they could that's actually a good point i want i mean completely off topic but i mean are you buying are you guys buying into this colorado hype after one game I, I am not. I think that Nebraska is going to beat them on Saturday. Ooh, I like it. I'm not re- ready to buy into it. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, we're in a way kind of in the interesting business. So I, I find it fascinating. Dion certainly dominated the headlines the last couple of days. I think everyone's paying attention to Colorado. Um, they don't play a whole lot of defense. I'm, I'm sure at some point that's going to catch up to them. But it's it's certainly something. To, it's going to be something. It's going to be a team to watch in the, you know, the next few weeks. Uh, and, and him. Just dropping the we got receipts line and in press conferences and oh my god! How would you guys handle it if he had challenged you? Do you believe? Do you believe in a press conference? I mean, we can complain about some of our prominent head coaches here at Michigan and uh, how they how they answer some of our questions, but that would be tough. Did you, I assume you saw that when he, he was pressing pressing the reporter and finally the reporter handled it well and said, "Do I believe in what? Like what what are you getting at?" And he said, "Well, clearly you don't believe." Then next question. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's sometimes it's difficult for folks to realize like that's not our job in the media. I mean, some media members might think that is like the you know the the blogs and things, but like our job is essentially call balls and strikes, right? Be an umpire, call out things, praise a team when they're playing well, criticize them when they're not playing well. But to like openly, you know, vouch for a team or declare I'm I'm on board or whatever the case may be, that's just in my opinion, it's not not very appropriate of a, of a member of the media. Yeah, I, I would have just kind of laughed at him, probably. <laughs> yes, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. He doesn't doesn't seem to understand what what the job is, but uh, yeah, wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement for NBC Peacock that you know the coach making seven million dollars a year either you know figured he couldn't afford it or couldn't figure it out how to use it or whatever the case may be. Uh, a little troubling that he had to go, you know, to an assistant coach's house to 
to, to watch it. But again, it made sense that they'd watch together anyway. Um, Moore is back this game. Harbaugh remains out. So we'll serve the second of his uh, three-game suspension here as Michigan takes on UNLV uh, 3.30 on CBS this game. Um, and yeah, the the setup is a little unique for this one. It is Jay Harbaugh uh, coaching the team, uh, leading uh, in the, the pregame and uh, first half. Mike Hart will then take over as head coach for the halftime adjustments and the second half. And it's just kind of, it's interesting. Um, it, it is inter- it was interesting enough that he had, he divided the duties, you know, uh, for the three games, but then to divide a single game uh, to two coaches. Uh, but we got to hear from Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Jay Harbaugh, and Mike Hart about it. I guess what were your kind of takeaways on how this is going to work? I'm real curious to see how, how it plays out. Um, now, assuming this is going to be a blowout and the, and, the, and the line indicates it's going to be, I don't think there's going to be much of an issue. But if somehow, you know, the first half doesn't go as expected and it's a relatively close game at halftime, I, I got to wonder what the adjustment process is going to be like, right? Like, I think if you're a head coach for an entire game, at least you have the, you know, time to, to settle in and develop some continuity and get comfortable. And that just isn't going to be the case here. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've all, we've heard that we've been told Jay and Mike are going to work together kind of collaboratively during the week, just in terms of like, you know, getting on the same page with, with communication and, and decision-making and the like, but each guy is going to have their kind of their, tr- their attempt, I guess, at, at leading the ship, so to speak, during each individual half. Um, you mentioned Shromore's back, which I think is a good thing. Um, you know, I, I do think if he was there this past Saturday, you probably would have seen a little bit, um, you would see more adjustments maybe from the offensive line, maybe better play in some of those run blocking situations. But uh, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. You know, you've got Jim's son going the first half and you got a former Michigan player in the second, both with head coaching aspirations, something they were, you know, shy about about saying uh, on Monday. So uh, it should be fascinating. I'm, I'm curious to see how they do. Yeah, and for me, it doesn't seem like Jim Harbaugh or, or uh, Jay Harbaugh is a big rah-rah guy too. So it'll be interesting to to see. Or I wonder how that that pregame speech is during go too. So I mean, we we don't really see much fire from him uh, either in his press conferences or really on on the sideline compared to maybe like a, a Steve Linksdale or even even Mike Hart. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's not going to affect the the score on the scoreboard much, but uh, it will be interesting to see after the game and. How uh, I mean, I assume they're probably going to bring both guys out to the the press conference too after afterwards. I would think so. Um, it is, yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, I tried to ask Jim Harbaugh. Basically, I mean, neither of these guys are the coordinators, and neither is Harbaugh. So his final say on things, I, I guess. But he's not he's not really dialing up the plays. So it's like, what does the head coach do? You know, for the sixty minutes of football action and. Didn't really get an off an answer. When it comes to X's and O's for these two coaches, I don't know how much they're going to be involved. I I, I do generally believe it's going to be a final decision situation, right? You're fourth and three. Do you kick the field goal or do you go for it? And I think they're going to have the ultimate say. Um, they'll probably have you know help with organizing and stuff. But you're right. I I don't know how much of an impact they're going to have. Whereas last week with Jesse Minner, he was not only the acting head coach, but he was also the defensive coordinator. So. Uh, he probably had a little more input on how, how things were going, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Again, it shouldn't really matter what's the point spread for Saturday. 36, so basically the same as last game. Yeah, so UNLV uh, winning season in 2000. They have one winning season since. They went 7-6 and six and won a bowl game in 2013. Uh, they've tried a bunch of different types of head coaches, uh, and now they've got, they've got a new one this year, Barry Odom. Um, 
formerly head coach at Missouri, was a head coach, defensive coordinator in the in the SEC. Uh, Arkansas, I think, was one of his stops. Um, so uh, he seems he, he seems like he's a different type of hire than they've had recently. Um, and it was, you know, it was a good start, uh, you know, blowout win over, uh, Bryant and FCS school to start the season 44, 14 first play from scrimmage, 69 yard touchdown run for UNLV. Uh, they had a 96 yard, uh, or 98 yard kickoff return that set them up that inside the five, they had a long touchdown run as time expired at the end of the first half. So a lot of things went right. And, uh, their top receiver a season ago is back and his name is Ricky White. And uh, he will haunt Michigan fans for his performance on Halloween 2020. No fans in the stands, but uh, those watching on TV saw Ricky White set a Michigan State freshman receiving record, 180-something yards, a touchdown, uh, just torched Michigan uh, in, in what at the time was a huge upset. By the end of the year, we realized Michigan just wasn't that good. But uh, still, Mel Tucker's first season and uh, an impressive performance for him and now now he's he's back in the big house trying to you know have another big game and maybe help UNLV pull off a monster upset but they're gonna need a lot of luck if uh they're gonna do that on on Saturday yeah I I don't think Michigan has much to be concerned about I, I assume we'll preview that game again but but uh later in this week but what else I guess came out of uh you know Monday's press conference or are you hoping to learn this week or, or really anything else from Saturday that we haven't touched on yet I don't have much. I think, you know, we we got some answers, some questions we were curious about, like the offensive line and maybe some of the starters and defense. Um, but I, I'm really curious to see what this team looks like at full strength, right? Like Duke mentioned them being without, you know, Will Johnson and, you know, and Rod Moore. So I, I think this defense could be very good. We were talking about a lot in the offseason. Um, I'm curious to see them, you know, can, you know, against better competition. I don't know if UNLV is that. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we got to get through this non-conference schedule to uh, to kind of finally get a better feel on this team. It's hard to get uh, you know read a ton out of one week. And I think that's important for folks to remember. But uh, but so far so good. And, and I think you know as I said at the top, all things considering all the distractions going on in the off you know off the field and with Jim Harbaugh and everything, Michigan handled its business on Saturday. And I think there's something uh, there's some there's merit to that. And I do commend Michigan too for for being a little bit cautious with with any of their injured or banged up players because, like you said, I mean this is another cupcake non non conference schedule. They kind of got banged up towards the end of the year with with some guys with some issues. So yeah, I mean if Will Johnson's not a hundred percent, if Rod Moore's not a hundred percent, why not sit sit them out and let these young guys get some experience? And yeah, when they come back, and if something else happens later on, you, you feel maybe a little bit better about that depth moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that that they decided to, to hold Will back if he's not 100% and, and Rod and maybe some other guys. And, and the offensive line will be key, too. Yeah, You would think that they would want to settle on a starting five by conference play, and um, we might see a little bit more of a, a rotation. Maybe uh, Darius Henderson will get a few more reps uh, maybe Trent Jones will get a few more reps. Who 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 knows how it will happen here? But you would think they they want to kind of settle on that that starting five by in the next couple of weeks for sure. And one more thing on the offensive line too, like the the grades at least from Pro Football Focus for run blocking were, were not very good on Saturday, and that's from an unbiased, unobjective source. Now I don't know how that squares with what Michigan's thought saw. But I, I think we can all agree the run blocking, just the running wasn't great on Saturday. I'm wondering how that factors into their decisions, right, with tackles. Like we heard all offseason that Carson Barnhart, the left tackle, 
was a very good uh, uh, pass blocker. Um, I, I'm wondering how Ladarius Henderson fits into that with run blocking and then the opposite on the, on the other side too with, with Trent A. Jones. So um, it, Michigan, I think, feels like they've got a lot of guys in the offensive line that can do different things well. And I think it's really going to – it might very well depend on a week-to-week basis in terms of how Michigan's approaching the game plan. Do they want to throw the ball more or do they run, want to run the ball more? So um, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to watch it play out, but the offensive line's got a lot of, a lot of questions and a lot of like, moving, moving parts. Also, a big time credit to Miles Hinton too for kind of owning up to his game on on Saturday. On Saturday too, we we spoke to him on Monday, and he was asked like, "How would you evaluate your performance?" And he basically said like, "Yeah, no, it, it wasn't great. He didn't feel like he was as effective as he, he needed to be and wanted to be out there. And he's going to work to to get better. And it's kind of refreshing to see players. And and I wish more coaches kind of did that too. I mean, you don't have to blast the guy in the media, but you can be honest if. You don't think you played well. You can kind of say that and, and say you're going to work to get better. So kudos to him, and um, we'll, we'll see if he gets another opportunity as a, as a starter on, on Saturday. I feel the same way. I mean, little some hiccups with the uh, East Carolina postgame press conference. It's week one, but I got to get better. That that can't happen again. And, uh, you know, I got to deliver the best content possible to our readers at MLive.com slash Wolverines. Uh, so that kind of puts a bow on Michigan's season opening win, and we will have more uh, about UNLV um, later this week. Thanks for listening.